Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Okay, so welcome to the Truth to Power show. I'm your host, VGR Nathan, and this is Radio Free Brooklyn. So we're here with Jesse Kilgus. Uh, Jesse Kilgus has a hypnotic and darkly charged take in Americana. New York-based singer-songwriter Jesse Kilgus possesses a poet-like precision and power to tap into the strange wonder of everyday experiences. Uh, former actress, she was inspired to make music. And uh, her new uh, album, The Fasting? Fastness. Fastness, that's mm-hmm. right. The Fastness is coming out on June 28th. Um, so why don't we start off with just like where were you were born and where did you grow up? Okay. Tell us a little bit about the circumstances around that. Okay. Um, I grew up on a farm in Massachusetts, very close to Providence, Rhode Island. Um, but it was in Massachusetts, but it was a very small town. And the only thing in the town was the Cumberland Farms. Yeah. So what is the Cumberland Farms? Yeah. Yep. So it was like uh, you you live near the farm, not on the farm. No, right? I lived on a farm. On a farm, yeah. Yeah, with horses and chickens and dogs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And how does that compare to uh, the experience? The tell us a little bit. Tell us a story about living on the farm. Um. Okay. You want a dark story? Yeah, anything comes to mind. I okay. Guess. So we had chickens one time. My mom thought it would be a good idea to get chickens, and. Honestly, I love animals, but chickens are pretty gross and dirty. And it was my, it was my yeah. responsibility to take care of the chickens and feed them. And they attracted rats. And a couple times I went out there and rats jumped out in front of me. And so mm. I didn't really like the chickens. But one time my parents went away on vac- uh, for a weekend and left us with a babysitter, my sister and a friend of mine. And the chickens got out. And my dog killed the chickens in front of us. Oh, God. And the babysitter was useless. She just ran in the house screaming and crying. And my friend and I had to bury all the chicken bodies. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, God. Seriously, what was, the, what was the age? What was the age? I think I was about eight. So growing up on the farm, you learn about life and death real fast. Mm, yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, I wasn't expecting to tell that story today yeah. when I got up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um... As you grow older, how many siblings do you have? Or two sisters? They're both older. Or? Uh, I'm in the middle, so in the middle because yeah. they're one older, one younger. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, what was your relationship with them? Um, typical middle child relationship, I think, to siblings. Uh, yeah, we're we're much closer now than we were growing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good, good. And um, what are their names? Can you tell? Uh, like? Sarah and Maggie. Good, good, and. Uh, um, so as a middle child, you know, there's a middle side sy- syndrome or something. Do you, do you feel like you had to negotiate or had to balance yeah, a lot? Maybe yeah, maybe I was teasing with that? everybody all the time, that sort of a position, I guess. Yeah, and um, now, where are they doing now? Or what are they? Uh, my older sister used to own and run a restaurant in Providence, Rhode Island, but she's now a professional saddle fitter in Vermont. She, has, she lives on a farm again now. And has a lot of horses and is of the horse world now. And um, my younger sister is an interior designer and she lives in L.A. Mm-hmm. And at what age did you start to get into poetry and arts and start uh, that journey? Yeah. Very, very young. Um, I, I used to be an actress and I, I was doing that from a really young age and kind of learning songs and making my parents listen to me sing them. And I uh, made, I built a theater on the the ruins of this old barn building where I grew up. And my friends and I would put on plays starting from like age five and six. Mm. Um, so what are these plays? You put on, you, you would script them and then... We, yeah, they... we made, 
One play I remember was called Tea at Brunch. <laughs> I have no idea what it was about, but I remember the, the name of it. And my older sister and her friend and uh, my friend, who was my age, we, we all put on this play together and took it very seriously and made our parents sit down and watch it and you know, yelled at them if they were talking during the play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you performed it and you would, uh, did you rehearse it? Did you go through? We rehearsed it. Yeah. yeah, we took it very seriously. We had costumes and everything. Mm-hmm. Wow. And was there, was, did one of the three you act as director or was there some guiding or were you just sort of I, kind of I going with it? I think so. I don't really remember much. Yeah. I do also remember we made a music video one time. You remember that show Solid Gold, the music show? Mm. We we made our own version of that called Solid Silver. Oh, and, cool. And uh, we all uh, lip sync hits of the day and I was... Funnily enough, I didn't sing in this performance. I was I was one of the solid gold, solid silver dancers. Mm. Um, I found the video footage of that recently. It was really entertaining. Yeah, good. So you're kind of going through this phase of uh, performing, uh, you know, writing these scripts that you felt or you said were kind of, I guess, what was the, you saying? Tea with brunch and I have yeah, no well, idea yeah, what that one was about. Yeah. I, I have a vague guess. It would be kind of like a Miss Marple murder mystery or something. Uh huh. Uh, or the board game Clue, you know. Um, so at that age, were you reading Miss Marple, I guess? Miss Marple is a... Uh... No, but it was around. My mom is obsessed with British uh, TV. Mm. <laughs> so I think I probably just absorbed some of it. Oh, it was a TV show or yeah, was it a book? Was, oh, it was yeah. a TV show. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was a book too, obviously, yeah. but I think she was into the shows. So you watched the shows with your mom? Bits and pieces. Yeah. So you just kind of got the gist of mm-hmm. what they were doing or the scenario, the kind of stock character. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah. You know, there's like, what would be a stock character in a Miss Marple? Well, uh, Miss Marple, Marple, well, Miss Marple, who's yeah. like an elderly detective lady. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I don't really remember any of the characters in Tea at Brunch. Mm. But I just, I think it was vaguely British inspired. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I guess there might have been like a, Kind of a fumbling detective, and possibly uh, like nowadays we think of that in terms of. I guess now in today's iteration of the British detective, what would be an example of today's? Like uh, I'm trying to think now, like um, hmm. there's the they have the reinvention of Sherlock. You oh know, right, yeah, those very, are great. Uh, with, yeah, with Cumberbatch there. Yeah, yeah, good, good. So, um, so you're talking about you got into singing. When did you start getting into? When I was really young too. I. Um, there were a lot of arts programs at the grade school I went to, and uh, I loved all of the arts mm. <laughs> and, and um, didn't really care much for math or anything like that. But um, So, yeah, I was into singing and dancing and acting from a very early age. Mm-hmm. So um, as you started going to singing, how, you know, you kind of, um, I guess when you went to college, you started to get, or was the threshold where you were like, oh, let me start kind of. Um, Making, thinking about this as a, a career, career path, yeah. Well, actually, right before college, I had to defer college because I got an acting job. Um, I was in the movie The Crucible, mm. um, the adaptation of the Arthur Miller play. Um, and that was amazing. It was a real movie and a real paid acting job. And then I went to NYU for acting and kind of thought, well, oh, this is bullshit after actually <laughs> yeah. working as an actor. Um, but uh, something I really liked about going to NYU was it was great to uh, move to New York City and be around all these artists after growing up in kind of a conservative environment, New, New England. Mm. And uh, uh, so you went to this 
do you want? Did, when you say you used to go into this conservatory for acting, or was it a special school? For um, I went to NYU, so I was at a couple different acting studios, conservatories within NYU, and then uh, I also took liberal arts classes. But um, after that, I went to drama school for two years in England, and um, then worked over there as an actress. Mm. So, do you think the frustration was like the lack of creative control, or that you weren't authoring the? You want oh, to kind eventually. Of yeah, eventually. I, I don't know. Uh, so drama school in England was fantastic. It's one of the fa- my favorite things I've ever done because it was um, a group of 14 people. We're all still pretty close friends. Um, just working on great plays for two years, um, six days a week. And then after that, I had some good acting jobs in England. And then I started to think – I had to move back here because of visa issues and um, – I think that theater here is kind of different um, than it is in England, and that didn't didn't really speak to me anymore, and I didn't really necessarily see it as mm, the rest of my life. And also, mm-hmm. I, I was lucky enough to have a small part in a, a musical written by Tom Waits um, with one of my favorite singers in it, um, a woman named Marianne Faithful, who I like very much. Is a very theatrical singer and performer. Um, so, so being part of that production kind of made me think, that I wanted to have more artistic ownership of things that I did going forward. Mm. Okay. So uh, why don't we play one of your songs um, just to give the audience a chance to uh, listen to um, a previous song before we get to the new album, I mean. Oh, uh, oh we'll no, just, you're playing an old one? I just, uh, from the, uh, one of the, and then, uh, uh, and then we'll get back to the new album and we can talk a little bit about kind of the construction of the new album. And such. Uh, so meanwhile, I'll just talk a little bit about kind of how you compiled the first album, I guess, or how you right. Kind of... So, um, I I was introduced to my friend Charlie Nealand, who who's um, part of Bushwick Book Club still, um, who's a record producer, and I started working on an album of covers with him and his then music partner Barb Morrison, and uh, started with a Tom Waits cover and a, a Jacques Brel cover, mm-hmm. and then they kind of asked me why I wasn't just writing my own stuff and and kind of pushed me to write my own stuff and so I started doing it and really fell in love with the process of songwriting good good so this one I think I just picked out somewhat at random but somewhat not um just kill us in the radio gold uh riverboat ramblers oh so I uh wow I haven't listened to this in like eight years you see um yeah so tell (laughs) us do you remember uh, kind of like the um what the song where to set it up yeah we recorded this in ireland actually it was a really cool experience um at this uh, residential studio called grouse lodge um which is built in these old farm buildings in the middle of nowhere um and we recorded this album in about four days um and uh, i've spent a lot of time in ireland so uh,
Okay, so why don't we talk a little bit about creative process? And because uh, the summary episodes, a lot of times they have uh, poets and authors come on and talk about kind of the mechanics or the nitty gritty of like, you know, um, not so much the meaning, uh, not the meaning or not the, uh, you know, what we put on it, but really the rituals associated with kind of how you, uh, what you do when you sit down or, you know. Or what do you, yeah, how does it work? Yeah. Um, I go through phases of writing a lot and phases of not writing at all. And um, also I've gone, I've tried in the past to write when I don't really feel like I'm being productive at all. And I, I find that it's best for me personally to just kind of wait it out until I feel like I'm, I'm ready to write again. But um, when I am writing, I'm usually working on about, I don't know, like five different songs at a time and I'll start with just a phrase it could be something I overhear just a, a turn of phrase that I really like and then I'll start with that and try to piece together mm. some sort of longer theme or story or idea from that in in terms of lyrics and then I'll try to s- figure out what that would sound like if I were to sing it and put it to chords on the guitar um sometimes when things are at their best I can just sit down with the guitar and start strumming and the, the, the whole thing will come out in one piece mm. that's ideal but it doesn't that's happen really all great. the time yeah yeah <laughs> i think it seems like you know um a lot of the pieces that i listen to or, you know i kind of listen to um different albums so i just focus on you know different things that you produce and i kind of feel like you're inhabiting a sort of specific space that resonates with um some themes of you know isolation and the, the, the dialogue between you and other people kind of some of the some strangers on a train, I think, was one of them. Uh, one of the titles, right? Or, oh yeah, that's yeah, a just Hitchcock kind of, film. Yeah, and yeah. also it seemed to speak. Though I don't know, for me at least, it seemed to speak to kind of the larger thematic of like uh, how we resonate with people. And I just some, some. I don't even know if I can really package it, but mm-hmm. it just seemed to speak to me in regards to kind of maybe feelings or like I, I was thinking. Um, you know, they think a picture is worth a thousand words, but you know, maybe a song is worth what a thousand like emotional emotions or something are interesting the ocean and and how would you um when you get to a piece like how how do you know it's over how do you like you just time wise or what do you like always how do you inhabit that space and figure this is kind of some segment uh, instinct i guess yeah just you you have to make decisions too Mm -hmm. um and just not uh fretting too hard over any of them because you can always write another song yeah or you could always go back and change it you know so just whatever feels right. Yeah, yeah. good, good. Um, so now, uh, this new album you produced uh, and created, uh, what was kind of the, uh, you would say, you know, how are you progressing or how you kind of, where you got, what was, tell us a little bit about that process then. Okay, well, it's songs I wrote over a few years, and one of my the most exciting elements of this album to me was bringing in my friends, uh, Julie Leslie and Susan, uh, Susan Wong, uh, Leslie Graves and Julie Delano to sing on it. We sing in another band together, uh, Jim Andralis and the Syntonics, which is an amazing band you should all check out. Mm. Um, and we were recording his album last summer, uh, and I was also recording my album, and, and so I just asked them if they'd come in the studio and sing on my stuff. And I felt like it really expanded everything and added so much to it, and um, that was kind of my favorite new element to add mm. okay good good and um so now you're going to be performing uh the, from that album you know? yeah i have a record release show on june 28th at rockwood music hall um stage three the one downstairs 
which is mm -hmm. my favorite room there. Um, and I'll be playing songs mostly from the fastness, maybe a couple from the past. Mm. Um, Susan Wong's going to be joining me on harmonies too, which Very is great. Good. Yeah. And how about the um, kind of resonance with the fans and people listening to the music at these shows that you've done? Do you, how does that kind of energy feel for you? I never really know what to think of what, yeah. of, about all that stuff. I mean, people have said that they've liked it and. Some random blogs have written some great reviews, but I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I I try to not take anything too seriously and just try to keep creating work and yeah. having a good time. So now you're doing a Bushwick Book Club, which yeah. is something project I guess you've been uh, kind of collaborating or working with. Yeah, I've been helping Susan Wong, the founder of it, a, a lot over the past year. I've been co-producing some shows, um, and. We've been trying to get the authors involved a lot more and um, getting the authors to turn up and read and speak, and that's been a lot of fun. And, and um, so the premise of that is that we carried a list, a group of songwriters and other artists to create new works inspired by one particular chosen book. And um, uh, that's something I've done in the past anyway without being part of book club is, you know, taking inspiration from books. And I, I, I lift a lot of mm. <laughs> ideas from things that I read. Um, but yeah, that's a monthly performance series, and um, it's a lot of fun. It's usually um, a fairly eclectic group of songwriters, so you, there's a lot of variety in the performances. Yeah, and I found that because I attended the last or one of them with uh, Jonathan Ames uh, book, um, yeah. and I was never really here, right? You were never really here. You were never really here, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I attended that, and the, the performances, you know, um, some of them were kind of challenging, you know, kind of like, <laughs> You know, I guess uh, inviting yeah. me into spaces that, uh, at least in that context, I felt were a little uh, challenging or kind of, you know, but in a good way. I think it's good to sometimes see and, and, and when, I think especially for challenging art, you know, when it's coming from a real honest place, then, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was an especially long one, too. They're not usually, mm. there was, um, in retrospect, we should have maybe had a few fewer yeah, performers on that that's one. okay. Yeah. But I think, what about your experience, kind of in within musical communities, and uh, you know, kind of facilitating or acting, and you know, like what is the um, uh, like the question basically is about uh, kind of uh, you know uh, collaborations and, and these kinds of things. Yeah. And, well, one of my favorite things about music or acting is the collaboration of working with a group of creative people on some sort of whole. Um, it's my favorite part. So I actually, um, I, I write my own songs and have my own band, uh, but I also sing harmony with a bunch of other people, and that's really fun for me too. I don't, I don't necessarily need to be the center of attention, but I just like to be part, part of something creative. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And, and I, through that, I feel like I do have a few different musical communities here, which is really nice. Good, yeah. good. So why don't we listen to once from the fastness? Okay. Um, so this song, I think the master mm -hmm. was the one I was going to play. Cool. So um, let's see. So maybe you can say a few words on maybe this song or. Uh, sure. Um, well, this song is a good example of the harmonies, um, mm -hmm. kind of lifting it to another level. Yeah. Break. 
So that, that song was also, maybe I should say, inspired by Leonard Cohen. Um, I, I wrote it the, right before he died. There was that interview with him in The New Yorker mm-hmm. where he talked about being ready for death. And then his album came out. He talks about, I'm leaving the table. Yeah. Um, and uh, I wrote that song right after that. And then he died <laughs> the mm-hmm. next week. Yeah, that uh, kind of good leading because I was thinking about, as I was listening to the song and kind of preparing for it, that, you know, I want to talk a little bit about kind of spiritual and religious topics in your upbringing and how they've evolved and, mm. you know, the structures in which you kind of grew out of. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, well, I grew up um, going to a Protestant church on Christmas and Easter until I was about eight, and then we even phased that out. Mm. Um, so my mom's kind of spiritual in an energy-type way, and my mm. dad was raised Lutheran. My mom was raised Catholic, but is not Catholic. My dad was raised Lutheran and maybe still believes some of that stuff. But I pretty much think I was raised nothing, really. But mm. um, in my adult life, I've done, I've read a lot of Buddhist books, and I used to go to Shambhala mm. uh, Temple, uh, and I meditate every day. I don't prescribe to any sort of religion, but I, I do meditate every day, and I like a lot of the ideas that I've read about in Buddhist texts and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but um, I think there's an intersection for me in terms of art and spirituality. And yeah. That's kind of, um, so just going back to you saying, um, so I guess the, your parents didn't instill in you any kind of, or didn't have kind of structures that you have to go to Sunday school, or you have to go to the church, or no mass, or anything. Just nothing stuff. like yeah, that. Yes, so there's nothing like that, yeah. Which I'm but, kind of grateful for. But when you spoke, when you kind of got a sense of, you know, what they believed and and what they where they're coming from, I guess, um, do you think you felt, or did you get, do you feel like they were informed by kind of these, uh, or do you feel like they were in tension with, or like, and it was like, was you know, it was they were always saying, did they kind of teach you what or how to believe? Would you say or the methodology? Not really. Or? It was just kind of avoided a little bit. Mm. Um, I suppose my dad's family still goes to church and went went to church. Uh, my grandparents went to church when they were alive, mm. and and believe in Jesus. I think, but, mm, but, yeah. Um, yeah. but uh, that was just never really a part of our life. And I guess as a family, we all kind of laughed about that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, family. I hope you're not <laughs> listening. <to this. laughs> we can always um, edit that. No, yeah, yeah. Delete that part. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but so yeah, so I think the main thing is like the idea that um, you know when I listen to songs like you know when you have the repeated refrain about the oracle and such, it's like you know, uh, I mean, at some level, I guess we understand the oracles are kind of guides and stuff like that. But I guess you know, uh, on a deeper level, it resonates because it's like you know we're all looking for that mm-hmm. some uh, magical or some something outside maybe that reveals um, you know it's like. The fix all, you know, and how, uh, where is that, where is that gone? You know, I don't know. So, kind of inhabiting that space of, do we need to have all the answers? You know. Yeah, I, I guess maybe something that I was raised with, with it probably comes from my mom is maybe a belief in something pre-Christian. Mm. Um, she's always been kind of interested in druids and runes and things like that, and and. Um, we spend a ton of time time in Ireland and Western Ireland growing up, and there's just something really mystical about that part of the world and that kind of mystery and slash magic potential yeah. for magic is something that 
to me is spirituality. Yeah, you know, just, yeah, definitely. Just n- I think not a religion, but yeah, because you know. I think once that we have the structure, you know, it's easy to, um, you know, fall into the trap that you know it's only those words can be used, you know, and then we kind of yeah. freeing ourselves to, to a different vocabulary, different right, yeah, right. Mm. So now uh, at this stage, uh, kind of, uh, uh, how do you uh, talking about kind of maybe the core uh, guiding compass or not even it doesn't have to be in a religious context but kind of what would you say is the um, kind of a, a personal guiding you know what you say you're talking about the discipline of meditation and such but um, you know what kind of puts you through to personally um, I guess it sounds kind of trite but it, uh, it's, I, it's really important to me to listen to my intuition and um, not second guess it and um, figure out what's right for me and let that be enough. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, one thing I, I had the experience of doing improv and kind of uh, kind of guided by the idea that the, there are no mistakes, you know, the, how we think of mistakes because we're so rigid on patterns, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, you have a pattern and we're like, we have to maintain that pattern. Right. And if something, uh, something you know, kind of falls outside that pattern, we're like, oh, mistake or yeah. it's not really maybe you know. mistakes kind of give you new ideas or mm. spark something more interesting yeah more pathways yeah. and yeah or um you know, disciplines i guess i don't know but um yeah and then uh kind of the uh um it's, uh, what else coming up how are you feeling or what's kind of what's uh what's kind of uh coming up for you now to talk about yeah any I'm stories this we kind of breeze through so much, oh, so no. maybe a story from from uh, something that's coming out—a story that maybe uh, you've kind of been uh, has it been in the back of your mind, or no. Yes. Um. Well, what happened this morning? Tell us about what happened this morning, this morning? after you woke up. Yeah, uh, I brought my dog to daycare so that she wouldn't get into trouble while I'm here. Uh huh. So mm-hmm. what's and what I kind worked. Of dog? I worked. What kind um, of dog was it? Um, what kind of dog is it? Oh, she yeah. said, edit that part out. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, it's fine. I work from home. But, um, yeah. Uh, she is a mutt. She's a rescue dog. She's um, probably husky and maybe shepherd or border collie. Mm. Her name is Clue. She came with that name. Oh, good. Clue, her. I like that. I like, I yeah. like it, too. She, That's it, good, yeah. it suits her. Yeah. She's got a really inquisitive face. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what happened? You said you took her to the vet? Oh, no, I took yeah. her to daycare. Oh, daycare. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, something else I do, I didn't, I don't know if you know, I, I'm also the development director at a nonprofit called Music Cambia that um, runs music programs in prisons and jails. Mm-hmm. And so also this morning I was, <laughs> I was doing some work, work for Music Cambia. Um, but that's something I care a lot about, too. Um, yeah. Um, tell us a little bit more about uh, what they do and uh, our main program is at Sing Sing and it's a, a program with 32 men there uh, we teach um, instrument instruction composition ear training and then ensemble performance so the uh, really important aspect of that program is that everybody's learning an instrument but then they all have to play together several times throughout the year um, being part of an ensemble is uh, you're responsible the the whole is only good as as good as every little piece. So, yeah. Um, 
It's been really inspiring to be a part of. I've been going in and singing harmony with the guys, too. And, um, I'm learning a lot about the criminal justice system mm -hmm. and learning a lot about people and the possibility for change and, and life in general, I guess. Yeah. And uh, what's like... Because uh, I think it's, like, it's interesting to see how or kind of see an overview how you're kind of coming from this... Uh, one environment where you kind of you're generating material like tea with brunch and you're kind of having this experimentation and then you kind of tea, go tea into at brunch. tea at brunch oh yeah oh tea at brunch okay yeah that's good and then uh kind of how it evolved into uh kind of this uh path of you know connecting artists and having them respond to the art and uh you know classics and contemporary literature and how you're um now um you know uh producing the, the fastness and all that. It's, it's, you know, just kind of seeing how, what would you say is, um, you know, uh, I don't know, like uh, kind of something that you take away from, uh, like, you know, a story maybe that kind of connects with your roots and brings you here. So, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, how is it all kind of... How does it all add yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, I really yeah. don't know. There yeah. are a lot of different pieces, but they all kind of, I like being parts of different collaborative groups mm. and the social service aspect is really important to me. I, when I was my first year of college, I uh, kind of wavered. And the only time I ever went into the World Trade Center was to go to a meeting for the Peace Corps. Mm. And I was really considering going down that route or go, going further with acting. And then I chose acting, but clearly the uh, service work is still in me too. So, mm. um, so how do they all connect? I guess um, connecting with people in a creative way is kind of mm. the most important aspect of my life. I don't know. That yeah, definitely. So yeah, well, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Deep. I think that uh, community is important, and yeah. you know, when we do things kind of in our head, or we have the, you know, sometimes the the, the idea may come and. Uh, but it's kind of, there's not a joy there, you know, it's kind of the joy really comes from interacting and just allowing yeah. these, these, uh, you know, like the influence of, uh, of others to direct, you know, I guess, I don't know, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, one thing, uh, let me play one more song. Okay. Cause we got like, uh, 10 more minutes. So I'll just play one more song and then we can do a, a final, I'll play one more song from, um, uh, the new album. Okay. What is it? What does he want from me? Okay, cool. I mean, well, maybe just uh, tell you, what is it, what, what is it, the, what is it you want for me? Do you remember, can you say a little few words about that? Uh, um, it's a pretty simple, straightforward song. I'm really happy with how it came out, actually. Yeah. One of my favorite tracks on the album. Uh-huh. And uh, when you have like a, you know, uh, you know, kind of comparing the process of, uh, you know, more, the, the different songs on the album, like one being the, more difficult. Oh, or one this is one that came when I just sat down with a guitar and started strumming and the words and the music came together yeah, yeah so. good good yeah. and then so the process of uh i'll switch to uh dark corners of your mind if oh I'm... i like that one too yeah
something on your mind Listen deep within A voice is calling Another day beckons, do what you can
Good, good. So uh, one thing I want someone to talk about is as a, a consumer, what you kind of, you know, what you've been uh, reading or lately or what you've been uh, exploring musically, any kind of way in which you consume art or, um, uh, as a, yeah. So what's been coming up? Or you can just talk about something maybe in the past that has been very influential on you artists. Okay. Or, um, well, yeah. in relation to that song, I was just thinking about when I wrote that, I was listening a lot to Fairport Convention, this mm. kind of Celtic uh, mm. 70s folk rock band and um that song was really influenced by them and um especially they have this beautiful version of a, a really old folk song called Reynardine. Mm. Um, so i was listening to that a lot at that time what else uh, movies lately uh, i recently saw the ruth bader ginsburg documentary which mm-hmm. was fantastic everybody should go see it oh good good yeah um, I'm reading The Tiger's Wife again right now because Bush Book Club's next show is inspired by that book um, by Taya Albrecht. Um, it's a fantastic magical realism story um, that I highly recommend. Yeah. Um, art, I haven't, I don't think I've been to a museum lately. Mm. But now it seems like so much a. Uh of this digestible art is it fell on the internet. I feel like we're oh. big connoisseurs of memes or something. I don't know. Yeah. You know? I I do like a lot of funny dog videos on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like I really only go to museums when I go to other cities. Mm. Yeah, happens to me too. I went to Denver and I really appreciated a lot of the art there and and you and being in New York there's so many so much available, but I don't know. This is like where's the time? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's not true. I went to an art opening last week. Yeah. Um, another uh, Bushwick Book Club is doing a in July um, a show inspired by Dean Haspiel's new comic book, The, the Red Hook. Mm-hmm. And he had an art opening book signing last week that I went to. It was fantastic. I think the art is still up. It's at Sunny's Bar and Red Hook. Oh, yeah. So um, as far as like uh, maybe... Uh, um... Oh, and, and you know what? Sorry I interrupted you. Yeah, but ahead, I yeah. see a lot of friends bands so I, mm. I see music really regularly and it's generally people who i know and i'm uh i like supporting friends but yeah. also i'm fortunate to have some really talented friends so i enjoy going to those shows as well mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. and um i've stumped you yeah yeah i had something with them yeah i was like i had something with them yeah because uh, i want to i mean it's like um you know uh like in different, like even the like uh, cross section. You know, basically what's happening here is you know, you're reading a book and you're producing a song, or you're reading a um, you know a poem or something, or you're reading a song. So like you know, you know, like how is it? Tell us a little bit more about like, do you focus in on one um, aspect and then kind of just or has where's the yeah? I usually yeah. will find one line that I really like or part of a line, and then just write my own stuff from there mm. use that as a jumping off point i just recent i just had a thought about other art that i'm consuming i've recently been on a huge ingmar bergman kick mm. and i i love bergman and i've watched a bunch of his movies in the past but recently i watched like 10 of them in a row and mm. then i really felt i needed to watch some comedy after that but <laughs> <laughs> yeah um he's a great was a great storyteller and um one of the things i loved about his film work is uh, his actors were all so good and they were all um all the films are real ensemble pieces and that's something i like about any type of art Mm. if if it's a real collaborative ensemble piece um so that's something that spoke to me and just visually stunning 
as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, certain pieces like uh, like that, like what was the specific movie you mentioned? You just meant the director, right? Or yeah, Ingmar was there, Bergman. Which was there a specific movie that? Uh, um, I recently watched Wild Strawberries. Um, mm. Fanny and Alexander. This piece he wrote for TV about his parents. I forget the name. Uh, the Best Intentions. Yeah. And then I watched a couple documentaries about him too. I was a little obsessed for about ten days, and <laughs> now I'm over it. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, I think it's interesting. That kind of, also, I go through a process of like, you know, suddenly I remember something about a specific uh, banal with someone who I was into for a long time. Like, you know, I oh, watched yeah, yeah. Uh, six. Um, uh, the uh, one thing about the people who are starving and having hallucinations. Uh, the one about the dinner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I forget the name of that yeah, one. But but I yeah, but yeah. So it's kind of like the dreamlike, and then you kind of like are watching that, and it's like there's something that is not necessarily there, but is kind of speaking to uh, maybe, uh, would you say, a universal human experience? We, in the last conversation, we talked about archetypes and, mm-hmm. and then how, you know, getting more specific kind of reveals or talks to that power center of the human experience, if that even, if, if there's such a thing, I don't know, you know, and how, like, you know, uh, the way to get to a kind of a power center of like a universal human experience or archetypal human experience is to get actually more and more specific. Specific? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting uh, pathway, I think, to kind of uh, like the uh, quantum versus the, uh, you know, uh, something outer space or, you know, like this, hmm. the two of them, two cliffs that <laughs> you can go off. You know, I don't know. Take your yeah. pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's really interesting to, uh, you know, sit with, you know, like how these uh, spaces uh, can open up. Yeah. Hmm. Good, good. So, um, yeah, and then uh, I guess we'll wrap up with just, uh, might you kind of tell a little bit about, uh, tell a story about uh, kind of something that's coming up for you in regards to uh, maybe your relationship with uh, uh, someone who's very special to you? Oh, my God. I just, we'll start with pick pick someone and then just go. Um, yeah. I'm going to choose my mom. Yeah. My mom is coming to my record release show by, by herself without mm. my dad, which is kind of a big deal for her. I don't think she likes New York City at all. No. But uh, my dad's going to be away, and so she's coming down to spend a couple of days with me. Yeah. And she's coming to the show. Which yeah, is good, yeah. Kind of pushing herself out of her comfort zone. Yeah. Because she loves me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know uh, my mom also kind of... Uh, you know, she's always been a model for, uh, you know, the kind of exploring of, of uh, traditions and, and exploring of all these different, um, I guess you might call, uh, you know, not not adult uh, education classes, but kind of something something along those lines. Like, you know, that you think, of, you know, as a children, it's easier to kind of, you know, be open-minded or something like that. But then you grow older, it's like we have to kind of find those pathways of learning new skills and, and you see, you know, black people kind of avoid that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I like the, pushing myself outside of my yeah. comfort zone, but not all people do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess uh, thank you so much. I'm gonna, I just going to get a few word shout-outs to um, that uh, Ready for Brooklyn. This is the Truth to Power show and Ready for Brooklyn. And, um, you know, Ready for Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission, mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and provide media literacy, education, and free expression. So this show kind of explores, uh, you know, this show specifically explores like modalities of thinking and kind of connecting, um, you know, our practices to, uh, you know, I think it's, it's when you zoom out practices to, you know, larger nerves and ideologies, but and it's not necessarily always 
you know, explicitly there. But I think that, you know, when you look at a larger whole body of work, then you kind of hopefully kind of will tease out, you know, these. Uh, so I encourage everyone to go through our archives at, uh, you know, truthpowershow.podomatic.com. And uh, you'll see, like, you know, kind of more thematically how, uh, you know, um, modalities and thinking are very much connected to our power centers. So we rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. So if you'd like to support our mission, we can contribute, continue to bring you quality community radio. We invite you to make a one-time donation or multi-pledge at radiofilicon.org. donate. You can donate as little as a dollar or even every cent helps us to continue this day on air. So please help support independent community media by pledging um, whatever you can afford. And remember, the RFB is a 501c3 nonprofit, so you can charge contributions tax deductible to the full extent of the law. Again, that's virtuebooking.org. Donate. Um, general communication is that you can listen to on the go. I'm listening to these shows on the go. So if you're listening on your laptop, you can listen on the go. In your car, to download the apps, go to radioforbrooklyn.org backslash iPhone or radioforbrooklyn.org backslash Android. Um, and sign up for a newsletter to keep up uh, to date with new programming, upcoming RFB events, interviews, ticket giveaways, special offers, and RFB swag, and more. Sign up for newsletter at radioforbrooklyn.org backslash newsletter. Uh, that's about all the um, stuff that I have, but I uh, uh, guess we can, uh, yeah. Thanks so, for having me on thank your show. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. That was fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. This ends the interview portion of the Truth to Power show. Now I'm going to share a specific um, experiment that I did with the previous guests on the Truth to Power show, Claire Van Winkle, Kaylin Lister, and Jessica Hines, where I had each of them answer about 20 to 25 questions, and uh, they were restricted uh, after the question with a part of speech. So uh, the question, I'll give you a sample of the questions in a moment, but the questions were the answers had to be one word and uh, in a particular part of speech. And then this is kind of used in a Mad Libs kind of exercise where I transpose these answers into The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. So here's a sampling of the questions I'm going to read. Uh, these are not all the questions, but these are examples of some of the questions I came up with. Uh, the first question is, what exotic, wild, or mythological beast would you prefer to have a, as a pet? Restricted to a noun, one word. What time of day are you at your peak, noun? What mood are you now, adjective? What is the ideal action of a successful person? Past tense verb. This gives you a sense of um, the modality. So I took the answers that Claire... Um, Jessica and Kaylin gave me, and then I, I plugged them into uh, the format of The Raven. Um, this is kind of something I had a slight memory of uh, someone introducing me to this technique, of Mad Libs technique. But since I don't have a clear memory of when this happened, but um, anyway, it doesn't really matter. Regardless, I'm going to read the poem that was created out of this exercise. It is called The Persian Short Hair. Once upon a dawn resigned, Q-89, while I wrote anxious and antisocial over many magical and queer surprises of feminologically complex poems, while I nodded, nearly disturbing, suddenly there came a pushing, as if someone gently shoving, propelling at my chamber door. "'Tis some kid,' I muttered, 
tapping my paradisaical poetics. Only this and nothing more. Ah, ruckusly I remembered. It was the conflicted December, and each calm emerging journal created its adoration upon false windows. Suspiciously I pursued the freedom. Childlessly I succumbed to lushing, for my scene secreased with release. Sorrow for the lost Arik, for the sparse and kind teacher whom the unicorns named Arik, nameless here forevermore. And the chiffon focused, intrigued sneezing of each off white naked window shied me, filled me with confident peonies, always conjured those feelings of all over again. So that now, to still the flowing of my heart, I stood processing. Tis some visitor, divining boasts, some late visitor gloating purchase at my chimney flute. This is it, and nothing more. Calmly I grounded my laughter, growing within me thereafter, there within me forevermore. Speaking.